Answering the front door at the Bain house was a lengthy matter. The postman had learned this long ago, and now he merely laid the mail in the vestibule and went away. First, Mrs. Bain would look in the old reflecting mirror which still hung from her bedroom window and take note of the ringer. Then she would whisper cautiously over the stair rail, It's the milk bill! I'm not in! Or, as had been happening more and more frequently for the last six months, It's for Ness, Holly! Come right up, and I'll send down your Aunt Margaret to receive him. And Margaret, who was Mrs. Bain's sister, would put down the napkins she was hemming by hand for a department store, and sulkily take off her apron and smooth her hair. The forefinger of her left hand was roughened with the needle, although she kept a piece of pumice stone on her washstand to smooth it. Mrs. Bain thought no lady should have a roughened forefinger, and so Margaret had formed the habit of keeping that hand shut with the finger tucked away, so to speak. As a result, she rather gave the appearance of meeting the world with one hand clenched. On the staircase, perhaps, she would pass Holly running up, escaping, one might say, from the kitchen. The bell would ring again, and without haste, but with an air of slight impatience at some invisible servant, Aunt Margaret would open the door. Oh, it's you, Mr. Brooks. I thought I heard the bell. Really, these days... But by that time, Mr. Brooks would be inside, putting his hat on the old table, with his gloves beside it, and his stick leaning against a chair. Anybody at home? he would ask. And Margaret would say archly, Well, I'm at home, and I dare say we can locate Holly somewhere. He would wander into the long parlor, which Mrs. Bain always called the drawing room, a faded chamber with overstuffed furniture neatly mended, for the Bain house had been furnished before the vogue for old things came in, and to cover the sounds of stealthy movements overhead, Margaret would make conversation. For instance, I saw Mrs. Rodney White downtown the other day. She's growing very stout, isn't she? It's too much. Mr. Brooks would say calmly. By the way, I heard a good story about him last night. The other day, at the Rossiter's dinner, he... and so on. Margaret would listen absorbedly. Mr. Brooks had an endless fund of gossip, which Margaret would absorb as eagerly as perhaps Eve may have listened to whispers about her lost paradise. Every evening, he dined somewhere but always with the right people, of course. And until the last six months, he had been accustomed to wander, after business hours, from one tea table to another. Not that he cared for tea. As a matter of fact, he loathed tea. But there was always talk, and sometimes whiskey and soda, and he managed to pick up quite a little of both. He was a tall, rather thin young man. As Mrs. Bain said, he was not handsome, but he was distinguished. As a matter of fact, he was neither.